Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And this is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're ready or close to ready uh, for this week's games, whether it's daily leagues, weekly leagues. Uh, got you covered for today. Uh, you came through with a few uh, Twitter questions. I'll get to those later on in the show. Um, you know, If you still want to have a uh, lineup question answered, I'll uh, check it uh, during the show. Uh, Try to get it on on the show as best that I can. Uh, but, uh, yeah, lots to get to from uh, over the weekend. First weekend of the second half. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, not waste any time and uh, get right to it. Although I should mention, <laughs> as I was about to launch into all the news that we've got here, that um, a little bit later on the show, I'm going to have Corey Brock from The Athletic uh, talk about the Mariners because he's written some really interesting pieces about the Mariners uh, that will be, I think, uh, impactful for your second half plan. So don't want to be remiss and and skip to uh, get you ready to hear Corey Brock on the show. Anyways, we'll have Corey on in a little bit. But uh, first of all, the the big news, uh, Noah Syndergaard placed on the disabled list with hand, foot, and mouth disease. I was blissfully unaware of the details of hand, foot, and mouth disease until this news broke. And uh, it just sounds awful. And I suppose I'm very, very lucky that I'm not personally acquainted uh, with uh, this viral infection. But um, uh, to his credit, uh, Syndergaard tweeted out a picture of somebody uh, uh, just all uh, covered up in, in some sort of uh, like clean room suit. Uh, saying, you know, looking forward to traveling with the team this week. But uh, so glad that he can find the humor in the situation. But uh, bad, bad news for uh, Noah Syndergaard. Uh, obviously, those of us who uh, own him in fantasy have to uh, make some adjustments. But uh, I don't know how long he'll be out. Uh, things that I had read uh, on the, the medical journal known as Twitter <laughs> is that uh, it, it can clear up in a few days or it can, you know, recovery could be a month. So. I don't know. I don't know how long we're going to be out without Noah Syndergaard, but uh, best best wishes to him as he uh, gets through that. Uh, the Phillies activated Zach Eflin from the 10-day DL. Uh, and I don't know if this is technically uh, the corresponding move, but yesterday they sent uh, Aaron Altair to AAA Lehigh Valley. And even though he's really struggled badly, uh, that was something I found a bit surprising because the Phillies, as as good of a season as they're having and as good of a story as they are in a lot of different ways, uh, their bench is pretty bad. 
So uh, along those lines, and uh, as reported by Ken Rosenthal earlier today on Monday, uh, the Phillies are talking to the Blue Jays about acquiring Curtis Granderson, who would certainly by far be the best bat off the bench, and that would be his role. So if you are, say, uh, a Nick Williams owner, I don't think you have to worry about uh, any reduction in playing time there. But it is a little bit curious that you wouldn't expect Reese Hoskins to sit very often. Uh, you would probably expect, or I should say I expect, that Nick Williams and Odubel Herrera would probably sit for a fourth outfielder to get an occasional start more often than Hoskins would. And uh, both uh, Herrera and Williams are lefties, and of course, so is Curtis Granderson. So while the Phillies just do desperately need some better offense off of their bench, Granderson to me seems like a, a bit of a curious choice. So I have to wonder if that's maybe the backup plan if they can't land a right-handed bat, but we shall see. We shall see how that develops. Uh, in any event, that would probably be a downgrade for Granderson, I think, going to Philadelphia in terms of playing time. But uh, again, we'll have to see how all of that is going to play out. And uh, probably should have tacked this one on to the Syndergaard update because it's a Mets update. It's not fantasy relevant whatsoever, but certainly of interest. Uh, the Tim Tebow is going to probably be out for the season. And this is, I am certain, the first news update that I've done on the show where the source is Adam Schefter. <laughs> so first time for everything. Uh, this is according to Adam Schefter, uh, the NFL reporter, that Tim Tebow uh, broke his hammock bone in his right hand uh, swinging the bat this weekend. That's uh, directly from the tweet from Adam Schefter. And uh, he is scheduled to have surgery tomorrow. So that's Tuesday. And uh, so expected uh, to be out out for the season. So, uh, again, not really a fantasy impact there, but a lot of speculation that Tebow, as well as he had been hitting in A, may have earned himself uh, a September call-up. So that seems extremely unlikely uh, at this point, maybe impossible. Uh, Sean Doolittle, of course, he's been out for a while now, and uh, it was not just the, the quick little you know toe strain uh, to recover from. Uh, we now have an update on him from Masson that Doolittle had an MRI over the weekend, and it revealed a stress reaction in the bridge of his foot. Uh, this tweet from uh, Mark uh, Zuckerman, uh, and I want to make sure I get his name right because everybody co confuses it with Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, but according to Mark Zuckerman of, of Masson, that uh, stress reaction is similar or comparable to a bone bruise, and there's no timetable for Doolittle do to uh, come back. But he was told that it is in terms of weeks rather than months. I don't know at this point in the season when there's really about two months left, a little more than two months left. I don't know how much of a distinction that is. Because uh, you know, if we're talking four weeks, <laughs> that's that's a month, yeah, you know, more or less. Uh, and that's a big chunk of the rest of the season. So I think you have to say at the very least that it looks like Kelvin Herrera is going to be getting settled in as the Nationals closer for uh, for a little while. And I was actually surprised to find that on Sunday, that was Herrera's first save as a National. Uh, so you know, it's been a while since he got traded from the Royals. And of course, uh, you know, for much of that time, Sean Doolittle was closing and he was healthy. But still a little surprising to me that that was the first save in the NL with the uh, 
with the Nationals for Calvin Herrera. So I think there'll be more of those to come for him. So if somehow he is out there, even though he's not really been that great since coming over to the Nationals, uh, I do think the save opportunities are his. It's not like Ryan Madsen's really, uh, you know, been on fire lately uh, or, or Brandon Kinsler. So I think uh, Herrera is going to be your guy for saves in D.C. for uh, the next few weeks, at least. Bad news for Justin Turner. He aggravated his groin injury. He was just recently activated from the DL. And now he may have to go back on the DL, according to Dave Roberts. Uh, that's what he told the L.A. Times uh, on Sunday. So, um, you know, certainly if you own Turner, you're probably excited to get him back, but you shouldn't start him this week. And it certainly relates to the fantasy fortunes of a lot of other Dodgers, given the Manny Machado trade from last week that um, there was due to be a roster crunch there, and particularly whenever Yasiel Puig gets back. So file this one under uh, things tend to work themselves out. Looks like the uh, Dodgers can go back to uh, you know, a similar alignment they had before uh, Machado got there, and uh, you don't really have to worry about uh, Max Muncy or Cody Bellinger. You know, worry about uh, you know how everybody's going to fit in there. Chris Taylor. So um, you know, Justin Turner sounds like he's he's probably going to have to go back on the DL. And also, according to the Los Angeles Times, Dodgers are expected to recall Walker Bueller to make a start on Wednesday. So that would give them, at least for the time being, a six-man rotation. According to MLB.com, Mariners manager Scott Service said that James Paxton came out of yesterday's bullpen session feeling good, no problems, no issues, uh, and he is going to come off of the DL in time to start Tuesday's game against the Giants. That was pretty much expected, but of course he had to get over that last hurdle of a bullpen session and did so apparently with absolutely no problems. So you can start Paxton this week with confidence. At least confident that he's going to start. <laughs> and I, I, I'll be confident that he's going to pitch well as well. And also, if you've been stashing Irvin Santana all this time, it's go time for Irvin Santana. He is going to rejoin the Twins rotation, according to MLB.com, and start for them on Wednesday at the Blue Jays. So a welcome return for uh, Irvin Santana. From MLB.com, uh, also, uh, Carlos Correa has resumed throwing and running uh, as a part of his rehab from his back injury. So uh, he had been shut down briefly, had a little bit of a setback. Carlos Correa now, again, working his way towards return for the Astros, although, again, we don't have an exact timetable for Correa. You Darvish played catch on Sunday. This is another MLB.com report. And so next up for Darvish is a mound session. And Theo Epstein says, you felt good. He knew that you would now. According to John Morosi of MLB Network, the Oakland A's are interested in trading for Mike Fires, who had a nice start over the weekend. Uh, there are not uh, any serious talks at this point, but the A's apparently have expressed an interest uh, in Fires, who I figure is going to go somewhere, uh, would be certainly a good fit for the uh, for the A's. And I don't remember if it was the Morosi reporter or some other uh, reporter or a tweet, but uh, somewhere somebody made the the observation that the A's do have the uh, prospect depth from which to deal since they really didn't have to give up very much uh, in getting Jerry's familia. So uh, as if you know the news for the Mets this weekend wasn't bad enough. According to John Heyman of Fancred Sports, 
the Marlins are not uh, claiming anybody to be untouchable, but uh, teams are under the impression that JT Realmuto is probably not going to get traded uh, during this uh, trade season before the deadline. So and that story's kind of gone up and down. Uh, I, there was a, an update, I think, about a week ago, or at least sometime last week, that the Nationals were uh, back to talking with the Marlins about Real Muto, but apparently, uh, as well it should be, the asking price, it sounds like, very high on him, and that uh, the Marlins are going to look to build around Real Muto. According to MLB.com, Jesus Aguilar is uh, he missed some time uh, on Sunday because of cramping in his hamstrings. And uh, it's just a precautionary move by the Brewers keeping him out. So maybe just, uh, you know, check check Twitter, check your favorite news sources before line, lineups lock, which, by the way, is 7.05 p.m. Eastern, or that's first pitch. Depending on your format, it might be five minutes ahead. Let's call it 7 Eastern. So you got a few uh, hours to check in on things and uh, see if there's any kind of update on Aguilar. But sounds like he is going to be safe to start this week. Jose Quintana, according to The Athletic, has been dealing with some shoulder fatigue. But it absolutely did not show in his Sunday start against the Cardinals. He went seven innings. He got the win. He only gave up two runs. So it doesn't look like there is a concern there for Quintana in what otherwise would be a worrisome report. But apparently... uh, I guess we can keep an eye on that, but apparently the shoulder fatigue was not serious enough or maybe he had receded enough that he was very effective in his last start. There's a very minor trade this weekend, one with some, I guess, uh, maybe ale-only consequences. The Nationals traded Brian Goodwin to the Royals for minor league reliever Jacob Kondrabogan, and Goodwin didn't play a whole lot for the Nationals uh, in the first half. Got a good amount of playing time last year, showed some power. Uh, but this year, just a 200 batting average and very limited playing time, three homers, three steals, but should get regular playing time or something very close to it, I would think, in the worst-case scenario with the Royals. So, um, yeah, it becomes an outfield option in AL only, to be sure. A little bit of speed, some pretty good power potential there. Uh, so kind of intriguing for a, for a deep league. And very big news over the weekend, Sunday in particular, Matt Carpenter did not hit a home run against the Cubs on Sunday. So that snaps his streak of six consecutive games with at least one homer. Over that string of games, he hit a total of eight homers. Uh, He did get a base hit. So uh, I think he's got a seven-game hit streak now for Matt Carpenter. So not officially cooled off quite just yet. Mike Zanino returned from the disabled list. And went 0 for 4 with a couple strikeouts against the White Sox. Uh, but Zunino is back, so you can start him this week if you are so inclined. And here's a trade rumor from MLB Trade Rumors, of all places, that I really didn't expect. Uh, not the team, not the player. Uh, and this actually this provides a really nice segue to... Uh, some of the questions that I have for Corey Brock of The Athletic, which is coming up here in just a few minutes. But the Kansas City Royals uh, are involved in a trade rumor as buyers. And not just, this is a bigger deal than the Brian Goodwin deal that I just mentioned. Uh, the Royals are interested in trading for Ryan Healy. Yeah, did not see that one coming at all. Uh, and yet, 
the more I thought about it and the more I read uh, the, the snippet uh, that was on MLB trade rumors, it actually kind of made some sense because uh, Robinson Cano will be uh, back in this coming month. And um, where, where's he going to play? So that actually was a question that I was planning on asking Corey Brock. And now I think I could at least maybe partially answer the question for myself uh, or with a little help from MLB trade rumors that uh, maybe the uh, Mariners trade Ryan Healy. I'm not exactly sure what the Royals have to offer. That'll be uh, kind of interesting to find out. And maybe Corey Brock has some some insight on that. But, uh, you know, maybe we see Robinson, Robinson Cano slide over to first base. Really uh, interesting wrinkle there and in a bunch of different ways. So, again, uh, Royals, according to MLB trade rumors, have some interest in acquiring Ryan Healy from the Mariners. So on that very note, uh, we're going to go to break here very shortly. But on the other side of it, you are definitely going to want to hear this because I'm going to talk uh, for the first time on this show with uh, Mariners beat writer, once upon a time, Padres beat writer, Corey Brock from The Athletic. Uh, and I believe he plays some fancy baseball, too. So this might not just all be trade rumors and such. Uh, <laughs> I might even talk a little bit of fantasy uh, with Corey Brock. So stick around for that. Plus, we got standouts, lineups, weather, all that good stuff, and your tweets coming up later on the show. So stick around. I'm going to be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back, everybody. This is Fancy Day Bar. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as promised, uh, going to have uh, Corey Brock here in uh, just a few moments. Uh, but first, just a quick word here about rotoexperts.com. When you want to win your fantasy football league, you must simply go to the very best source of information you can find. And of course, that is rotoexperts.com. Senior writer, Jake Seeley. It's an undisputable fact. No other fantasy football analyst in the industry is a better player ranker. And no one's a better accuracy expert than the all-in kid. In 2017, Jake Seeley was the number one draft accuracy ranker in the entire industry, as verified by FantasyPros.com, and he's been a consistent top three ranker throughout his distinguished career. So if you want to be the best, go with the best and get Jake Seeley's 2018 fantasy football rankings right now in the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package. Just enter the promo code WINNER at checkout for a special discount. And I've got a very special guest, as I mentioned uh, at the top here and, and earlier in the show, from The Athletic, uh, a Mariners beat writer 
who I've enjoyed his writing for quite a while, Corey Brock. Uh, Corey, thank you so much for taking the time and joining me here on the show today. Yeah, you bet, Al. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure, absolutely. And uh, I do want to start with a, a fantasy angle here. Uh, you do play fantasy, right? I do. You know what's funny? I took probably a good 10-year break, and not because I wasn't enjoying it, just because I just didn't feel like I had enough uh, just being kind of buried on the on a beat and being busy. Just didn't wasn't going to give it nearly the attention it needed, but uh I've back, been back in for about three years now. Um, I'm in a 10-team a, a mixed league, and I'm enjoying it. My brother's in it, so um, I always have a, a trade partner there, even when other people uh, refuse to trade. I think we've all kind of been in that position before. So it's, uh, it's always nice to bounce ideas and sometimes players off him. Uh, that's great. That's great. Well, that's a lot of fun. It's especially fun to, to play with family. Uh, so um, I – you know, I, I knew uh, before uh, even taking a look at the you know the news today and, and what was on Twitter that I wanted to ask you about Robinson Cano because as we look ahead in the second half, that's obviously going to be one of the big things that affects the Mariners and have uh, sort of a domino effect for, for other players uh, in real life as well as fantasy. But I saw on MLB Trade Rumors just a short while ago earlier today, and if you're listening on demand, this is Monday, uh, that the Royals are interested in trading for Ryan Healy. So I guess the two-part question is, first of all, what do you know about that? Uh, and secondly, is that a signal that maybe Cano shifts over to, to first base when he comes back? Well, I, I, I think that's where he's going to end up anyway. Um, in terms of the Royals' interest in Healy, that's, uh, that's news to me. I hadn't heard that. You know, they, you know, they, you know, they traded for him in the offseason thinking that he was going to be a big piece for them, uh, certainly a guy who would be better defensively moving over from third base could certainly provide uh, some power there and sort of stop this revolving door of uh, semi-mediocre first baseman that they've had for seemingly decades here. So uh, a little bit off to a, a slow start. The average certainly isn't where they want it to be. He's always going to be a guy that you know, you know, hits home runs, doesn't walk very much. That hasn't changed this year. You know, his BABIP was pretty low. I looked uh, just yesterday, it was 255, so that was off uh, his career norms. So I seem to think that maybe, uh, and maybe yesterday was a start, he hit two home runs against the White Sox. Maybe he's going to, uh, maybe he'll heat up. But in terms of Cano, when he comes back, and that's going to be August 14th for everybody who's listening, um, or at least when he's eligible, you know, I think he's going to end up playing a lot of first base. Maybe play a little second base, give D. Gordon a break. D. Gordon will not be going back to the outfield um, this year. They don't want to uh, kind of yank him back and forth. And who knows, maybe he gives Nelson Cruz a day off once in a while. They may have to get a little creative, but they, they, everybody can agree that the Mariners are a far better team uh, with Robinson Cano than they, uh, than they aren't. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, certainly, too, it's good to have D. Gordon there at second base, and, you know, th that'd be a nice combination there. Do you think that they'd uh, pursue some outfield upgrades, perhaps? Yeah, uh, I do, and I especially, yeah, especially from somebody that can go get it uh, d defensively as well. Um, you know, it's a pretty big center field there uh, at Petco Park, and, you know, Mitch Hanniger's pretty good and right and can cover some ground. If you're going Ben Gamble, Denard Span and left, uh, you know probably league average, you know at best. So you could have a guy that can go get a ball, um, and also could uh, his bat profile can uh, certainly be better than what they're getting out of Guillermo Heredia. And you know I think they were always fearful a little bit that you know 
Heredia was going to be a guy that if he played a lot was going to get exposed, and I think that's kind of what's happened here. Um, yeah, so I, I think to a lesser extent, uh, a position player, I still think they're going to try and add a starting pitcher of, of some kind. But, uh, you know, a guy that I liked a lot, at least from the position player side, from when I covered the Padres for nine years, was Travis Jankowski. I thought, you know, I think that he would be a nice fit. Um in Seattle, you know, left-handed bat, a guy that uh, can run plus defender, um, you know, controllable. I, I think there's uh, still a lot of upside in uh, Jankowski. I'm not sure the Padres would move him, though. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do between now and the 31st because, you know, the 25-man roster is in pretty good shape. Um, but I certainly think there's a few pieces that they could add to kind of fortify this roster moving forward. Well, that, you know, that Jankowski scenario just makes so much sense for both teams because the Padres have, have had that outfield log jam all season long. Uh, and it's going to get just worse when uh, Franchi Cordero comes back next year. And maybe Framel Reyes is a little better prepared and it, it really makes a world of sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised this is the first I'm hearing of that possibility. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I don't know if any talks of substance have occurred between the two teams, but I think, um, you know, naturally, I, I just think it would be a nice fit. And then, uh, you know, certainly where the Mariners run into problems, I think everyone understands Al is, you know, moving prospects in terms of what they have on the farm that they're willing to move and the, the limited number of assets they have. They're trying to read, you know, trying to build up this farm system. They signed 10 international guys. Uh, their drafts have produced some decent guys only in the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I think they got to be really careful about in, in terms of what they part with uh, for a guy at the deadline. Uh, and I think it's kind of a slippery slope if you uh, if Jerry starts wheeling and dealing like he has in the past. And I, I certainly they're aware of this. I mean, they're they're smart guys. They know what they're doing. But I think, uh, you know, certainly the Mariners would uh, their preference would be to hold on to as many of these guys as possible. Yeah, no, absolutely makes sense. Uh, so I'm talking to Corey Brock here from The Athletic. Uh, let's switch over to the uh, pitching for uh, at least a, a bit here. Uh, so you mentioned that the 25-man roster is pretty well set, and yet you've got a couple of key members of the rotation, uh, I would say Marco Gonzalez in particular, that would seem like candidates for uh, maybe some sort of innings limit. Wade LeBlanc, uh, maybe not as much, but again, I'm not sure – you know, how durable he'll be after years of, of pitching and relief. Uh, so are the Mariners doing anything to look to preserve either of their uh, innings over the second half? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Um, one of the things that sort of popped up, at least in, in Marco's case was, uh, and really this is benefiting the entire staff is in the month of July, you certainly had the four days off with the all-star break. And now we're in a stretch, which is funny this week alone, they have two off days, which is uh kind of a, a weird scheduling quirk kind of butted up against the all-star break. So it's going to allow them to back off some guys a little bit and um, kind of maneuver things around so these guys get a little bit extra rest. And I think that will benefit guys like Gonzalez and LeBlanc moving forward. I think, you know, one of the things they talked about is maybe backing off a little bit in terms of how much throwing these guys are doing between starts, maybe just to kind of preserve some of their arm, uh, some of their overall health. But um, it certainly bears watching, especially with a guy, Marco Gonzalez, now in his second full year after Tommy John surgery. He's kind of reaching some uncharted territory here. Wade LeBlanc, you're right, uh, probably not nearly as much of a concern. Um, you know, the, uh, this guy seems to have a pretty resilient arm and um, 
could probably give you uh, a lot of innings on, you know, even short rest. He's been used in long relief in the past, and he's a veteran. He's been around. He knows how to take care of his arms. So, yeah, I, I think maybe they, they limit some of the throwing these guys do in bullpen sessions and in between starts and uh, maybe just really try and, try and take advantage of those days off where they can maybe push a guy back here and there. Uh, well, that, that really sort of uh, runs in a very different direction than um... – what I saw in the athletic with uh, I believe you uh, curated some uh, predictions from some of your colleagues there, uh, Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, Jim Bowden, uh, and they each cited a, a fairly major trade candidate that the Mariners could go out and try to acquire. So uh, again, two part question here. Um, do you think that they would just not go that route at all? Uh, and then if so, which uh, of the pitchers on the market do you think would be the best fit? Yeah, and yeah, and to piggyback off my last comment, I, I, I didn't mean to hedge one way or the other that maybe they wouldn't go in that direction because they're, um, you know, because the, the workload with these guys. I think it's something to keep in mind with their starting rotation right now is all these guys are under control, club control for next year. I think that's a pretty important component, which would lead me to think that if they are going to add a starting pitcher. And if they did, they would probably bump uh, Wade LeBlanc back to long relief um, to accommodate a move like that. Uh, I would think that you know they would probably look in terms of a rental just because I think they're in a position where they could take on some salary and it might be a lot easier to uh, digest than giving up some prospects. So, um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I threw the question out to uh, – Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, and Jim Bowden about you know guys that might sort of fit the profile of what the Mariners need or could use, and you know Matt Harvey, uh, Nathan Eovaldi, and uh, Jay Happ came up as as possibilities, and um, you know I just I, I I just I'm not sure. A guy I like is Mike Fires actually. I think that I I think that you could have him. Um, I think for the rest of the season it would probably be only a three million three million dollar hit. He could probably cost you a middling prospect to go with that. Um, so I, I, I'm curious to see which route they go. Because, you know, the other thing we got to take into consideration here too, Al, is um, when you make a move like this at this point of the season, and uh, the Mariners have certainly done a lot of work to build a lot of team or clubhouse chemistry and continuity there, you got to be careful about the guy you have parachute in on or about July 1st. You need to make sure that, obviously, from a talent perspective, uh, he's going to help you. That's first and foremost. But you also got to make sure that he's going to be a piece that can slide in and assimilate himself pretty easily. And I don't think fans quite um, appreciate that nearly enough that, uh, you know, you just you got to be real careful about the personality that you bring in. So, uh, you know, I don't know if any of those three guys I mentioned would be um, – would be tr- would be potential trouble, you know. Probably not. These guys are all professionals and have been around a while. So, yeah, we'll see. And then maybe maybe they even toy with a six man rotation as as we push a little bit further in the summer to kind of uh, lessen the workload. So I think there's a lot of interesting questions left to be answered uh, in terms of pitching on the Mariners side. Yeah, no, that's an interesting uh, possibility. And I would think Mike Fires, as you said, would be a great fit. And also what you said about Wade LeBlanc makes a lot of sense. And, you know, maybe he would sort of slide into that type of role where the Tigers have had Blaine Hardy, uh, where he's certainly capable of pitching and effectively pitching multiple innings out of the bullpen. But then, you know, if there's an injury or, uh, you know, just uh, a need to fill uh, in a spot, certainly uh, LeBlanc has shown himself to be more than capable of doing that. And I, re- I want to focus in on um, sort of what's going on 
behind the scenes with the Mariners because you know we've had some some great stories uh, with pitching uh, with LeBlanc with Marco Gonzalez, um, you know Mike Leake uh, being very good much of the year, and you wrote a piece that was really interesting uh, on the the coaching staff. Uh, that they put together, uh, and not only with uh, Mel Stottlemyre Jr. as as the head pitching coach, but then you've got uh, the bullpen coach Brian DeLunis and assistant pitching coach Jim Brower playing a really important role this year. So I'm wondering if you can um, explain exactly what impact that sort of three headed pitching coach monster has had, and and maybe some specific instances of uh, where things played out differently this year as opposed to maybe how it would have played out last season. Yeah, you know, I think they sat down there, looked at their pitching model in the off season, and they were looking for ways to get Mel Stoudemire Jr. a little help. Um, and this is, I kind of liken this a little bit out to what happened, you know, a decade or so ago or less with the assistant hitting coach role, that something that really didn't exist before. But teams understanding that, you know, you have guys showing up six, seven hours before the start of a game. You have 13, 12, 13 position players, and trying to get them enough work in terms of cage work, video work, um, you know, the mental side. It was just, it's a little bit too much for one person. So I think the Mariners wanted to bring in some extra help for Mel, who is kind of the, you know, is truly the pitching coach. Everything runs through him. And uh, so they brought in Jim Brower, a former big league pitcher who was uh, working on the Cubs minor league side to kind of handle some of the analytics. He kind of acts as a conduit from the front office um, to the pitching staff and the catchers in terms of preparation for opponents. And then they brought in a guy from the private sector, Brian DeLunas. And uh, for me, this is kind of fascinating in the sense that Brian's background, uh, he, you know, he was part owner of a, still is of a company outside St. Louis that works with guys on pitching mechanics and really the biomechanics of pitching, um, looking at a pitcher from the ground up and sort of understanding that no, no two guys are built the same. And we get so caught up in, you know, mechanics, 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 but I think they understand they need to back off and kind of look at, um, look at a guy's body. Uh, they're in the weight room a lot, doing a lot of things, um, and just trying to uh, get a better picture of what makes a guy tick uh, from a, a biomechanic standpoint. And maybe they're also able to head off some potential issues before they happen that way. So you've got three guys working together. And you know the old saying, Al, you had too many cooks in the kitchen. So, But they've made, they've made this work for them because, um, you know, they all kind of complement each other. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, they all meet with, uh, with with Mel. And before each game, they all sit down in Scott Service's office, the manager, and they go over these things. And Scott's been really good. He's very good about empowering these guys um, and wanting to, uh, wanting to hear their opinions and, you know, the substance behind that. And so all those things they kind of take into consideration. And I think by and large, you have a staff that has benefited from this. I know I talked to Wade LeBlanc specifically about this, and um, you know he was uh, he, he noticed a decrease in uh, his uh, velocity, and he couldn't quite pinpoint why. But you know, talked to Jim Brower, talked to Brian DeLunas a little bit, and kind of came to the conclusion that his stride length wasn't nearly as uh, wide as it had been before. And then they went in and with Mel, and they looked at, well, Jim showed him the data to show him that was true. Then they mm -hmm. went in with Mel, looked at it on video, some video from earlier in the season and last year, 
compared to when that stride length was short. And lo and behold, you have what ends up being a kind of a, an easy fix for him as opposed to, you know, a guy kind of racking his brain, can't understand why his velocity's down. So real practical application there of uh, how this is all working. So I think, you know, I, I, you know, a few other teams are dabbling in this, but I think you're going to see a lot more of it moving forward throughout the industry. All right. Well, great stuff, Corey. And I definitely encourage people to go check that out and all of your other work uh, at The Athletic. So, Corey, again, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. And best of luck here in your league. Yeah, thanks a lot, Al. Have a good day. <laughs> thanks, you too. So that's Corey Brock from The Athletic. Uh, we got to head to break. We'll be right back with lineups, standouts, and a lot more. Stick around. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and thanks once again to Corey Brock of The Athletic, Mariners beat writer. A lot of great stuff there. I've uh, been talking a lot about Wade LeBlanc this season. Got uh, kind of a few interesting new angles and wrinkles on him as, as well as, uh, you know, some of the other Mariners, too. So anyways, uh, we got uh, several lineups out. We got weather. Uh, we've got your Twitter questions. And somewhere in there, try to break down at least some of the performances from Sunday's games, although, uh, frankly, I'd rather spend the time on your your question. So uh, we'll get to that shortly. Uh, first, though, just to let you know, we are giving away more World Series tickets here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and this time it's going to be to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their families, 70%, that's nearly 14,000 people each year, must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. So you can find out how you can help the cause and at the same time win 2018 World Series tickets by playing free daily fantasy baseball by going to dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. It's your ticket to the World Series and also someone's ticket to life. So uh, let's uh, get you set up for tonight's slate. We've got a few weather situations that you need to uh, take a look at and players on the teams involved, figure out if you want to start these guys tonight. Uh, East Coast mostly, Northeast, uh, some, some rain. Uh, this is, of course, as always, uh, based on the Roto Grinders weather forecast. Phillies are hosting the Dodgers. 46% chance of precipitation at first pitch, uh, going up slightly thereafter. So Phillies and Dodgers, uh, check those uh, lineups uh, and uh, which uh, players might be at risk of maybe getting washed out. Same thing for Orioles and Red Sox, 38% chance of precipitation for first pitch, but uh, increasing uh, steadily thereafter. 
Uh, the Mets hosting the Padres, 46% chance of precipitation, holding steady pretty much uh, throughout the night. And similar situation, although maybe not quite as severe, uh, Pirates at Indians, 41% chance of precipitation at game time. So that's a number of uh, games that you have to watch and, and maybe uh, you know discount uh, your uh, – chances of, of starting some of the players in those games. Now, in terms of the lineups that are actually out, we do have both the Red Sox and Orioles lineups, uh, but I don't see anything here really too concerning. Uh, the weather's enough of a concern. Uh, and as for that Phillies game, no Cesar Hernandez. You got Trevor Plouffe batting seventh and playing second base, so you're definitely not going to be playing Cesar Hernandez tonight no matter what if it's a daily lineup league. We've got lineups for both the Braves and the Marlins. No weather issue there at Marlins Park. Uh, plus, I'm assuming they're going to have the roof closed. But uh, no Ozzy Albies, not uh, not ready to return just yet. So you got Charlie Culberson batting second, playing second. Catcher of the night for the Braves is Kurt Suzuki, not uh, Tyler Flowers. Uh, Marlins, nothing too much to worry about there, although there's no Garrett Cooper, if that's something uh, that's relevant for your lineup. Yankees Rays, and again, that's going to be uh, indoors at uh, at the Trop. G-Man Choi, DHing for the Rays, batting cleanup uh, for the Yankees. And these are lineups, by the way, that are new to me, so I'm just taking a quick look here because I want to get to your Twitter questions, but I'll see anything here in the Yankees lineup that's of concern. Pirates Indians, that's uh, Trevor Williams and Corey Kluber. And again, that's a game where, weather, where the weather might be an issue uh, but uh, no Edwin Encarnacion for the Indians, uh, Yandy Diaz uh, in the lineup as the DH and cleaning up, which is uh, not where I, where I would expect to find Yandy Diaz in the lineup, but uh, but there it is, the red-hot Corey Dickerson leading off for the Pirates and looking like a uh, normal lineup, except for the fact that, of course, at Cleveland they've got the DH. That's good to go to Colin Moran, which gives David Freeze a chance to make a start against righty, that righty being Corey Kluber. Uh, we do have a Mets lineup against Joey Lucchese, who's going to be activated for this start. Lucchese and DeGrom. And um, nothing much of note in the uh, in the Mets lineup. We've got uh, Cardinals Reds. Daniel Ponce de Leon making the start for the Cardinals uh, against the Reds and Luis Castillo. Uh, we got Brandon Dixon at second base, batting second for the Reds. And uh, looks otherwise like a fairly normal lineup there for the Cardinals. There is a Jose Martinez siding, batting fifth and playing first base. And Matt Carpenter, speaking of red-hot hitters, he's leading off uh, playing third base. Uh, Greg Garcia getting the start at second base. Colton Wong just placed on the DL, uh, by the way. So just saw that right before the break. And only other lineup that we have in right now, uh, is the Cubs against Patrick Corbin and the Diamondbacks. It's going to be Luke Farrell starting for the Cubs. And Cubs lineup, you got Almora starting in center, batting third. Ian Happ uh, in left, batting eighth. So, of course, you know Kyle Schwerber against lefty. And uh, there you have it. So that gets you pretty well caught up on weather and lineups. So good luck with your daily lineups. I'll need to take care of mine right after the show. Now that I've got all that information. All right, so let's uh, head on over to uh, the Twitter feed here and see what we've got in terms of questions. And it looks like we got uh, a couple 
few actually during the show here. So I'm looking at some of these for the first time. Uh, so I may take a, a moment here to slow down and, and uh, try to give you the best answer I can. Uh, here we go. So at ND9, go Irish. Please pick only two of these starts for a daily 10-teamer head-to-head points with a start limit. Uh, we got Castillo versus St. Louis, Castillo versus Philadelphia, Porcello at Baltimore, Porcello versus Minnesota, Fultonevich versus the Dodgers, Pavetta at Cincinnati. Well, I could rule that one out. Uh, I thought Pavetta was going to be safe against the Padres this weekend. <laughs> that was wrong, uh, although I think maybe a little bit of uh, Babbitt luck there for Pavetta. But at Cincinnati, no, with the fly ball tendencies, don't like that at all. And I'm actually a, a little concerned about Fultonevich after his last few starts. Um, but I'm also very concerned about Luis Castillo. So I think I'm going to go with the two Porcello starts here at Baltimore and versus the Twins. Uh, that would be my preference. So good luck with that. Uh, moving on to at G Men J. Conforto or Teoscar Hernandez this week. Uh, six by six head to head roto uh, with OPS as a category. So uh, the Mets uh, with a, a seven game uh, schedule. But uh, the Blue Jays, let's see, yeah, they're six games. I would take, even with the one game fewer, I would definitely take Hernandez. Uh, I just, I, I need to see some extended production from Michael Conforto. Uh, much would rather trust Teoscar Hernandez, even with uh, one last game. Uh, let's see, from at Brian D. Berg. Hi, Al. Have to decide between two start Hamels, Rodon and Wheeler, or one start Flaherty, Archer, and Fulte. In a points league, he could start three. Uh, he's about to board a flight, so uh, I'll try to remember to answer this on Twitter as well. Hopefully you're hearing this uh, or uh, checking it on uh, on, on demand. Anyway, sorry, so you can start three of these pitchers. Uh, definitely going with the two-start Wheeler, no doubt about that, and definitely going with the one-start Archer. Those, to me, are no-brainers. And I think I've got enough concerns about Hamels and Rodon that I, I just don't worry i don't i should say i don't trust them with two starts i worry about double the damage with those guys especially hamels uh rodan last start was was pretty promising but uh the control could be an issue there so it's basically down to flaherty and fulton nevich and while i did say i have some concerns about fulton nevich i also have some concerns about uh flaherty uh he's going to be at the reds but uh, yeah i'm going to give the edge here just on performance here to, to Mike Fultonevich. So Archer, Fultonevich, Wheeler, good luck, Brian. All right, a couple of questions from at Ma- uh, Matt J. Ware. Sorry, that was should, that's an easy, easy name. Not sure why I stumbled on that. Matt J. Ware. Uh, sit one starting pitcher for the week. Brios, Newcomb, and Flaherty. Well, all right, so you're really getting a sense of my degree of concern here because I said I was worried about Fulte. But I'm more worried about Flaherty. And now I'm worried about Flaherty. But I'm more concerned about Sean Newcomb, who just really hasn't been good for a while. So I would sit Sean Newcomb this week. And uh, that matchup for Newcomb is, uh, well, actually, uh, okay. So he's actually got, uh, my bad, two starts. Uh, In addition to the Marlins, he's got the Dodgers. But again, I think that could be two bad starts. So I would sit Newcomb. And one more question here from at Matt J. Ware. Sit one outfielder for the week. Marte, Christian Yelich, Castellanos, 
Michael Brantley, Jesse Winker sit one of them. Yikes. That's tough. Uh, certainly helps Winker's case that they've got a seven-game week. And uh, I think probably next in line would be uh, Castellanos. And they've did, they've got uh, the Indians for three. They've also got the the Royals for three. That includes a Danny Duffy start. So I think the one game fewer and four fairly tough pitching matchups. As much as I, I like Castellanos, I think I've got to sit him out of that group. Pretty close between him and Jesse Winker, but Winker's red hot. Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think got to go with sitting Castellanos. So uh, good luck, Matt. And then last one uh, that I uh, can tackle here on the show, at Michael three two zero six six three one two. I've been offered Fulty for Correa. It's a keeper league. Correa is going to be $21. Fulty is going to be $4. I'm thinking of doing it because I'm a little concerned over the numbers, number of games that Correa has missed the last two years. This is a wise trade. Thank you. Uh, yeah, there's the injury concern for Correa. There's certainly the savings you get from Mike Fultonevich, although I don't think that his value you know, is it's certainly not what Correa's is. So $4, I think, is a good value for Fulty, but I don't think it's a great value. And like I said, for me, the the jury's a bit out on, on Fultonevich. Uh, in fact, I wrote a piece about him recently where I talked about how he's really relying on called strikes for strikeout rate. That's not really as safe uh, an indicator or predictor as swinging strikes. And we know what Correa could do. And I think 21, even with the uh, with the injury concerns, is a very, very fair price for Correa. So, no, I would turn that offer down cold so good luck michael good luck everybody thank you so much for the questions and uh good to probably an, uh, an abbreviated version here of some standout performances uh before we get to that just need to do one more little bit of business here if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries try the props builder tool at mybookie.ag Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps, and if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. So go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign-up, and then choose the matchups using the Props Builder tool. Uh, just go to mybookie.ag, and don't forget the promo code FNTSY. So we had a number of two homer performances. Uh, we had uh, Matt Kemp with a three-hit game, but also uh, hitting home runs number 16 and 17 against the Brewers. Chris Davis, uh, who had been on a major, major power snap, power outage, uh, getting two home runs, numbers 22 and 23 against the Giants. And Matt Olson, who I talked about last week, I really like him a lot as a surger for the second half, a potential buy-low candidate. Might have shut that window just a bit on Sunday by hitting his 20th and 21st home runs uh, of the season. So... Uh, also against the Giants, so a couple of A's with two homer games. And talked about uh, Ryan Healy earlier in the show and also talked about him with Corey Brock in the last segment. 
Uh, and Corey mentioned that Healy had a big game, two homer game, 19th and 20th homers of the year. You certainly don't doubt the uh, the home run prowess of Ryan Healy. But as Corey mentioned, uh, Ryan Healy's had a low BABIP, a lower BABIP than you would expect from him. Uh, so a three-hit game with two balls not in play. <laughs> maybe doesn't help the BABIP so much. Uh, but I think he is somebody that maybe you know, you're, you're going to suffer in an OBP league with him. He's not going to probably help you that much with batting average. But you could maybe at least get him at a bargain price, get that power at a bargain price, because the batting average isn't probably where it could be. So just something to note there with Ryan Healy. Rugnado Dorst uh, stayed hot with a three-for-three three game and a seventh home run. Corey Dickerson staying hot. He now has hit home runs in four consecutive games, predating the uh, All-Star break. And also four straight games with multiple hits. Went four for five with, ele- with his 11th home run and 23rd double against the Reds on Sunday. Jonathan Scope. Uh, I talked about him fairly recently and how the, the indicators seem to be against him and against the rebound. Maybe spoke too soon. Uh, pretty good in July, actually. Very good in July. 352 batting average, four home runs, had a two-hit game on Sunday against the Blue Jays, including his 12th home run of the season. So maybe now's the time to, to see if you can do a buy low on scope. Cole Calhoun staying hot with a couple of hits in his 10th home run. Garrett Hampson called up over the weekend. Uh, went hitless on Sunday, but is one for six in the two games since his uh, call-up for the Rockies. He's been... Uh, a popular waiver uh, waiver uh, target. Uh, I did not get him, although I certainly tried to get him. But uh, stolen base and, and batting average potential there for Hampson. And here, just about maybe a minute or so to talk about pitching, which fortunately there weren't any really, you know, that many notable uh, performances. But uh, Vince Velasquez, he's stayed hot. Uh, seven scoreless innings with seven Ks against the Padres. He's now had two straight starts, granted against the Padres and the Mets, where he's not allowed to run, uh, but 83 strikeouts and 71 in a third innings since the beginning of May with a 341 ERA for Velasquez. Zach Granke, excellent against the Rockies. Chris Archer, very good start against the Marlins with 13 strikeouts over six innings. And uh, two last uh, pitchers to mention before we sign off here, uh, that uh, Trevor Richards... Back-to-back quality starts. Latest one on Sunday against the Rays. Six and two-thirds, just one run. Uh, six strikeouts. He's uh, been inconsistent. Kyle Bearclaw blew that save, by the way. So he's had a rough, rough go this month, Kyle Bearclaw. Don't know if he still gets traded. Don't think you could use him in fantasy. And all right, one more. Mike fulton Yes, this is why I'm concerned. Another uh, subpar start for him against the Nationals. 6.87 ERA in his last three starts combined. So take that knowledge with you, set your lineups. Good luck to you this week, and I'll be back tomorrow for Tuesdays with Modica. Have a great one, everybody, and take care.